When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. One word I use is a little luck. A little luck don't hurt you every now and then. But um, it was a good series for me. You know, I was um, felt good at the plate that series. I felt like I was back, back in spring training again. Warm weather helped that out a lot. So, um, you know, yeah. You know, all around I felt good um, with, with how... how now it drives to center and deep. Smith going back at the wall. That ball's gone. A three-run blast for Byron Buxton. And the Twins have blown it open in the fourth. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new score north. And Declan, can you do us a favor and just play the first two seconds of that Byron Buxton home run again? Just list, listen to this. Oh, the sound. I love the sound. I love the crack of a bat. Oh, now it drives oh, to center oh, and oh, deep. Baseball. Smith oh, going oh. back at the wall. That ball's gone. Oh. A three do it again. Yeah. Can you Buxton. back that up do with Stephen A. Smith screaming the, the crack of the bat with the... Uh, uh, the uh. <laughs> oh. Now it drives to center and deep. Smith going back at the wall. That ball's gone. A three-run blast for Byron Buxton. And the Twins have blown it open in the fourth. Heard a lot of that last night, though. A lot of that crack of the bat. Typical Knicks, man. <laughs> you you got to play more than that. Typical Knicks, man. Now a drive to center and deep. They get close. They tease us. Now then they want to get it done. Oh, oh, oh. Now a drive to <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Oh, welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's that type of nonsense for the next two hours. Yes. Welcome in. Hey, it's good stuff. Okay, <laughs> write that down at five o'clock today. Oh, <laughs> gentlemen, Byron Buxton, after two more hits last night and a monstrous home run, he now leads the major league still with eighteen doubles in forty games, and his OPS is up to eight fifty seven, and he's the best defensive center fielder in all of baseball. Are you sold? Is this is this it? Is Byron Buxton at age twenty five? Is this his breakout season? Is he is that what finally you're fulfilling what we had hoped he would fulfill earlier? But sometimes that's not the way it works in baseball. Is this it for Byron? Buxton? The answer has to be yes, right? I, I think the question is how much more it, could there potentially be here? But this is it because again, it goes back to he's so good defensively that if he produces at the plate and looks competent, that's fine. But I, I think the question now is, what's next? Because there, there's more, there is potentially more there. That's what I was just going to say. So, but yes, but if you stopped it, if you stopped the ride right now and said, this is what you get, I'm not getting off. Yeah. When you ask the question, is this it? My answer is no, but I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that there is still more to come. That's right. Exactly. There very well might be. You're damn right. Yes, sir. May I have another? Heck, yeah. Heck yeah. That's what you could say on a family show. I got but way yeah, more. I, I, think, I think he's arriving. I think he's finally making that leap in his career. And I think a lot of it starts with believing in himself and, and starting this offseason by saying, you know what? To hell with everybody. I'm going back to what worked for, for Byron Buxton. And, he, and 
made a lot of adjustments to his game, both mentally and physically, and put on 21 pounds of muscle. And yeah, I think we're seeing a guy who's who's coming into his own right now. And I don't think that's going to change. I think the arrow is still pointing up on Byron Buxton. Can I credit the Twins here too some? Because good for Buxton. I love the fact that he he showed up at spring training and said, we're doing it my way now, gentlemen. And I think that's great. But I also think that the Twins regime now, and as they've implemented things slowly but surely, and I think now that they're at a point where the implementation is pretty much complete from, you know, Falvey, Levine, Baldelli, I think that they've also reached a really, really smart point of of combining the the analytics that they can take to players that make sense with the human stuff. And and so what drove me nuts, and, and I told Kyle this um, just before you, you guys showed up, what drove me crazy was this whole thing with Buxton. Here's 87 different batting stances that you should try. Yeah, right. yep. And he listened to them all. And it makes no sense. You can't do that to a person, especially one who at the time is struggling for confidence. But the story of, of the fact that after that third game in KC, and he crashed into the wall and basically got hurt again. And the twins went to him, I think, I think on just a personal level and said, Byron, you've got to stay on the field. You're that good. So here's what makes sense. We can show you that if you play deeper, you're going to give up a few more singles here and there, but ultimately you're going to make all the catches and it's going to make you a better, more effective player. And I think for a kid like Buxton, he can process that. So it's not, it's not, man, they're telling me to do something else. It's, oh no, this, this makes sense. So I give the twins credit for, I think, beginning to really do an effective job of going to players and combining messages that make absolute sense. Yeah, his his career arc looks weird because it started five years. This is his fifth partial season in the major leagues. So we sit here. It's hard to believe. It doesn't seem like he's been in the league five years. He had 138 plate appearances in 2015 as a 21 year old. They kind of called him up. They had they had a, a roster issue, and they, I don't think they wanted to call him up. Mm-hmm. But Terry Ryan decided oh, we need a spark, and we don't really have a lot of options. And that, I think that's when they had Darren Mastriani the second time around, and it was like, well, we need a center fielder. He's raking in Double A. Let's call him up. And when you call a guy up at age twenty one, one of two things happen. He gets it right away, and he's a superstar. And and now whoever the team is that employs him reaps the benefits of a 21, 22, 23 year old superstar. And if you can sign into a contract extension now, that's how you get a Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, where he's putting up hall of fame numbers in his mid twenties, right? It just clicks when they're 21, but the other path, which is the more likely path. And that's the path Byron Buxton and the twins went down is he ain't ready at age 21. And now you stop, start him at 21, 22, 23, because the more likely story is that it just takes guys until they're 25 or 26 years old to figure it out. And if you go back and look at a list of the last 15 or 20 years, prominent twins hitters, yes, you got the Joe, Joe Maurer was young and Joe Maurer was the exception. He was 21 or 22 years old. But then you get the Torrey Hunters. Torrey Hunter was 25 years old when he broke out, when he truly broke out and hit for power and everything came together. Kirby Puckett was 26 years old when everything came together. He didn't even get called up until he was 25 years old. Justin Morneau called up a little early, didn't really click until he was 25. Brian Dozier, another guy who was called up, up and down a couple times, 26 years old when he clicked. So what Buxton's doing from an age perspective is what normally happens with baseball players, but most guys aren't talented enough or or highly touted enough to get called up when they're 21. And so it just feels like, well, finally... But really, like if he this had just been, norm. if he had just been hanging out in the minor leagues like most guys do, and then you right. get called up, this would be the norm, like you said. Ryan. So he got fast tracked, and it it maybe set him back, or I don't even know that you would call it a setback. I think you would call it developing at the major league level, and and when you're developing, there's going to be one step back, two steps forward. You know what I mean? While you're learning the tough lessons of major league baseball, while learning how to face major league pitchers, it's the hardest thing to do in all of sports. Is to hit a baseball, and this guy's learning on the fly in his early twenties, and people are people are wondering why it's not happening. It takes time, and now it's happening. And 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 progress is not linear when you talk, especially about baseball players. If you look at if you look at the progression of almost any great baseball player, not named Mike Trout, and and you put it on a line chart, there would be there would be dips, there would be there would be mountain. You know what I mean? There would be peaks and valleys. On that progression chart, and I, I, so I don't think that it's 
that out of the norm what we've seen from Byron Buxton to this point in his career. But what's very important here is is this current Twins brass is doing the right thing because Phil and, and I saw this exact same story, and I don't know that, that this guy's not Buxton, but Aaron Hicks was a talented kid, and they ruined him. They ruined him because they didn't know because when they fast-tracked him, he came up, he struggled. The confidence, same exact deal. They didn't know what to do, and it got to the point where they couldn't help him. He decided to ditch switch hitting and hit right-handed against a right-handed starting pitcher for the first time since he was like 10 years old against you, Darvish. Yeah. And the twins said, yeah, I guess, okay. He, sure, go ahead. He walked into <laughs> Gardy's office on Memorial Day of that season for a day game and said, I'm batting right. And Gardy said, okay, that's fine. Against you, Darvish. He told he told me the next spring that was one of the most terrifying experiences of his life. Yeah. Because he hadn't hit right-handed against a lefty. A righty. Or, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. A righty. He gets in the batter's box, and he's like, the balls? I had no idea. Yeah, but he had but, never seen a breaking ball start at his, at his but, hips, right? I think the Twins deserve credit because there are some teams and situations in which I think Byron Buxton could have been ruined. Including their own, by the way. No, I know that's that's, but it's so it. Yes, it's good that it's clicking now, and I think that it's being it was handled probably ultimately by now correctly, but it's not a given that that failure is going to get turned around unless the handling is done correctly. Are we saying it's happening for Byron Buxton? Yes, is I that think what we're saying uh, yes. I think it's, it's hard. I think it's difficult not to say that, right? I yes. would say so. This isn't luck anymore. In fact, the the his previous career high in doubles was nineteen. He has 18 right now, and it's May I think he's going to surpass that. I'm going to go out on a limb. For write that down today, I'm going to say Byron Buxton is going to break his career high in doubles. Hey, so, most of us might want to take a shot at a prediction <laughs> like that. I might have a home run results. prediction myself for that, but we'll, we'll get to that at 5 o'clock. <laughs> one that already came off the board or one that you're going to make? It's a new one. Oh. No, I've got a new one because, because as we learned with Puckett, doubles early in one's career when they start to get hot, Often turn into taters later in one's career. Wow, I like the. Wait a second, wait, hold on. I wasn't prepared for that. Can you can you repeat what you just said? As what happened with Puckett, doubles early in one's career often turn into taters later. Here comes Byron Buxton, one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Look at this Buxton kid. He's something. <laughs> That's right. Let's go to Minneapolis and Target Field where Byron Buxton's not going to cover up the wall. Look at him fly around those bases, folks. <laughs> Boy, can that kid run. <laughs> I'm telling you, one day, we got to do an old-timey radio show. We have to. For two straight hours. Yes. Here's my thought. And here come the boys, back from the West Coast Road Trap. Why don't the Saints... Do a play-by-play game entirely old school. Oh, man. We'll bring, like, singers in to sing the jingles like they used to actually do. And before you could, like, go to a commercial, the commercials were just in studio. Yeah, like the barbershop quartet. Yes. Yes. Have you guys ever seen the Family Guy barbershop quartet? (laughs) (laughs) We played them before. Vasectomy's a medical procedure. (laughs) One that makes you half a man, you half a man. We need that. Like, we need that in our... I'm telling you. We need to do this. TCL we need to make this happen. TVs <laughs> are the greatest TVs in the world. Can you imagine? Can I imagine? I've dreamed of this day. They used to do, so all the ads used to be live because yes. it was just live radio, yeah. right? And I mean, this is this is in the 1930s. This is like during Babe Ruth's career. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's still audio of this. I just remember this story being told to me as a, as a kid. The Babe Ruth was an endorser of Wheaties. And so the li- it's, this is a live ad, and so the host asks him, all right, all right babe, uh, when you wake up in the morning, what's the, what's the first thing you do? And babe, babe goes, oh, you know me, I like to wake up and pour myself a big old bowl of cornflakes. <laughs> and the host goes, oh, that's great, well, but you must eat Wheaties too, right? Oh, I love Wheaties, I love Wheaties, yeah, that's great. Oh, and both were lies. Babe got up and drank a beer and it Yeah, that's dog. why he didn't know the line, because yeah. he got up and drank a beer. That's what Babe Ruth did. <laughs> Who's got a Valentine? Uh, gentlemen, uh, Thad Levine was on. Was it MLB Network that he was on earlier yeah. today with with Chris Russo? I believe the interview was clearly taped at Target Field the day before, but it was aired today. Mad, with, Dog, with Mad Dog and Thad Levine. We got some clips from that, and also the other player that the the franchise has hinged on the last few years, 
came back kind of quietly, little little seven spot in the order. Got some uh, got some barrel on balls, and uh, I think Rocco Baldelli said it best when he was quoted yesterday in Seattle. So we'll talk about Miguel Sano and what the manager. I don't work for Mad say. Dog, but I see an opportunity for him there. A weekly segment, Mad Dog and Thad Dog. Wow, like it. No, not right. really. Never no. mind. Might no. need some Never mind. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Mackie here. Now, you know I'm a numbers guy. How about these numbers? 2.4 million injured and 35,092 dead. Those are National Safety Council numbers from 2015. Federated Insurance reminds us these are much more than just statistics. These are family members, friends, and neighbors. Distracted driving continues to be an epidemic, but unfortunately, it's not the only factor in vehicle crashes. A scenario could play out just like this. A fatigued driver stops to buy coffee and snacks. The driver later falls asleep and crosses the center line, striking a car head-on. One of the other car's two occupants is killed and the other severely injured. So ask yourself, do you drive when sleepy and find it hard to keep your eyes open? Have you ever been unable to recall changing lanes? Do you stay up late and drive to work tired? A National Sleep Foundation poll revealed that 60% of adult drivers say they've driven a vehicle while feeling drowsy. Don't become a statistic. To learn more, contact your local Federated Insurance Marketing representative. Quick look at your traffic on I-69 northbound. We have a crash between 62 and 212. On I-94 eastbound, between Broadway and 55, there is also a crash. And there is a car on fire on 94 westbound between Riverside Avenue That's the Mariners, actually. Oh, that's that's the Seattle Mariner JV (laughs) team? Yeah. Yeah. That was a bad, that was a beating. The Mariners, the, the last three weeks is actually what that car is. Yeah, Classic what traffic. happened there? Well, they weren't. They, <laughs> They're the Mariners. Did, did anyone think they were good? That's the weird thing. No one thought they were going to be good. And then they started 13 and 2. It was like, oh, okay. This is weird. But baseball, I guess. And now there are three games, two games under 500. Yeah. That Oof, happened fast. Well, that escalated quickly. Yeah. <laughs> they were impressively <laughs> awful last night. That was a, a just a complete comedy of errors last night. It was just a joke. And here I thought Dan Vogelbach was the modern Jose Canseco. Nope. Nope. I like his body, though. Yeah. That's a guy That's, I can a, that's for. a Judd type of, you're good, dude. <laughs> Keep drinking that beer, there's, dude. There's some guys like that. The Angels have one, too. Justin Bohr just shows up to the plate. No batting gloves. Big rump. Left-handed bat. <laughs> Prime rib sandwich. Yep. In his back pocket. In his back pocket. <laughs> Pear-shaped body. Beer in hand. Bat in hand. Speak, like, speak. like a beer league softball player. Amen. Just smashing. Speaking of, Miguel Sano was back. <laughs> oh, no, man. He's doing NFL workouts now and yoga. This, this is just like Rami, actually. Yep. Yes, sir. This was Thad Levine with Mad Dog Russo on MLB Network. You know, I think he's going to fit right in with this group. I think he's going to rotate through third base, first base, and DH. Uh, he and Crone and, and Marwin Gonzalez and Williams Acedillo, these guys have been playing really well for us so far. We expect, expect Miguel just to be another guy on this team, uh, a guy who can pass the baton. So far, the offense, no one's had to carry an undue amount of the pressure or the weight, and I think Miguel's going to fit in perfectly with this group. And he had a couple doubles last night, and this is what Rocco Baldelli said in The Athletic, according to Dan. Dan Hayes. There are guys in the staff that have been waiting very patiently to see this guy out on the field, Baldelli said. He's an ultra-talented person. He can do things that you can look around all the baseball, and it's very unique talent that other people can't do. It's time. End quote. I love a good slogan. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I love a good slogan. You don't say it, really? That's a pretty good slogan. Like what? It's it's time. time. I really like that. Is it time for Miguel Sano? Now, I haven't been here suffering through the disappointments of Miguel Sano's up-and-down career to this point that that you and Twins fans listening to us have. So I don't come into it with that, and maybe I should. I think that there's nothing wrong with coming into it with that. That educates an opinion. But I think not having that pain allows me to not have the apprehension about Miguel Sano that a lot of people do. And I've come, I know this is, I know it's still early. I know we're 40 games into his first season as the manager. But I've come to believe Rocco Baldelli, believe in him and trust him in terms of his assessment and evaluation of his players and his ability to to to, to develop players and, and foster development and foster success and put guys in a position to succeed. And this could just be manager talk, but do you guys agree with me that that's... What what Phil just read right there goes above and beyond manager talk, that this sounds like a manager 
who thinks he he really might have a special talent here ready to blossom? I think so, and I, I think it is easier for you to come in with kind of a clean slate mentally and just right. assess the situation, whereas we've gone through the Sano ups and downs, not only with his performance, but with his weight and with his mm-hmm. desire to be a top performer. Let's just say there are some guys who wake up and they just want to dominate the day like Kobe Bryant and become the greatest player of all time. And there's some guys like Miguel Sano who wake up and think, oh, I've just been super talented my whole life, and I can just eat the catering spread and hit home runs. And that caught up to him as a 25-year-old. But if you, all we can go off of is the evidence that this front office and coaching staff has put in front of us the last two years. That's all we can really go off of. We can't. I don't think it's fair to lump in anything that happened after that because there's a lot of really interesting case studies in front of us right now with Byron Buxton, Next level. Martin Perez coming in from a different organization and a six ERA getting to the next level. Jorge Polanco is one of the best hitters in baseball. In fact, he's Jorge Polanco is currently eighth among all position players and wins above replacement. He's a legitimate MVP candidate so far. Next level. Kyle Gibson has pitched better than he ever has before under this regime. Mitch Garver was Babe Ruth under this regime for the first six weeks of the season. So Miguel Sano would actually have to be an outlier if he didn't take a big step forward and perform the way that we thought he could for the last few years, since all these other guys, his peers are clearly thriving in this environment. So if he doesn't, he's a major outlier. I think we said from the day that uh, Falvey got the job here, that these guys strike us as being pretty smart. And I think that that feeling has grown. Um, what I really like about these people is that they've come in here and done a really good job, in my opinion, of n- not only making informed decisions, but smart ones and learning from previous mistakes. I go back to last year. They signed a bunch of guys. They didn't work. Guess what? They took another swing at that this year, but it was in a different way. It's working now. So let's use Buxton as as a reference point here. Byron Buxton, we all said, man, if he doesn't make it, it's going to be unfortunate. But it's going to be because he simply didn't make it. He couldn't hit. He just couldn't. But there was never a question of one-two there. There's just no no one ever questioned that. Uh, His struggles were struggles of confidence. These guys, in my opinion, are looking at, at this as an opportunity to judge Sano, try and build him up, but I'm not going to be shocked if they trade him. I'm really not. Because they're also going, they're smart enough to say they know what the pitfalls are coming in. And and this has to be classified partially under the people don't change. People make adjustments. You, you know, if if you go and talk to someone who's not doing their job to the fullness of their capability right now and give them a kick in the butt, you might get a month of great production and then it slides back. So where I put my trust in, these guys are smart enough to know what they have to know what's real. And this is one guy who no end result is going to shock me because if they say, all right, we've rehabilitated him and his game for X amount of time, but there still might very well be a feeling that that's going to run out and that we're going to get to the winter and things are going to go backwards. And they're smart enough, I think, not to take that risk. Yeah, but then I mean, but then again, there's this whole other level of if this, if the way they've set this whole organization up and this system up so that players can just thrive. And it's kind of like what we've seen with the Astros where guys are just performing at their peak. Ryan Presley and Justin Verlander and George Springer. And it's just like you you bring in talented players, but some, some organizations can unlock that next level. But they know which ones they can't and they're smart enough to. And that, that becomes the question here. And I don't well, know the end result. I don't think I, I don't think the question is whether they can or can't. I think they can unlock Miguel Sano. I think the question is once you unlock Miguel Sano, are you in it for a date or are you in it for a marriage? Yeah. That's, that's sure. what they have to figure out. But in the short term for just this season... It really doesn't matter. I mean, if, if for this season, if they can unlock him and they can reap the benefits, and like tonight, the lineup just came out, he's DHing tonight, and again, I believe he's betting seventh, sixth, or seventh in the order here tonight. And so they've got they've got Sano and Buxton batting in the the, la, the bottom half of the order. There's really not as there's no pressure on these guys because they're putting the pressure on some of the players they brought in, the Marwin Gonzalez's and the Jonathan Scopes, and like they're they're telling Buxton and Sano, hey. Franchise doesn't rest on your shoulders yeah. anymore, even though it does long term. Like they're telling him, just be up, go bat seventh, hit a couple doubles, and just go chill out. Nelson Cruz will be back soon. We talk about that chicken or the egg question of of what what comes first, confidence and resilience, or or talent. And I I, I don't think that you can say one comes before the other. I think that they they are codependent on each other almost. It's it's a lot easier for Byron Buxton 
or Miguel Sano to go into a game and have confidence to fail. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but you have to have the confidence to go out there and fail and know that it's not the end of the world for your team in that game, for your season, for the organization, because the hopes of the Twins and Twins fans everywhere are on your shoulders, Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano. You can you can make mistakes and you can fail out there and there's going to be a guy next in the batting order or two guy to the guy two two spots down in the batting order who's going to get the job done and who's going to pick you up and people aren't going to remember that you struck out people aren't going to remember that that you you dropped a, a grounder if you're Miguel Sano and you had a lapse that it the whole world doesn't rest on your shoulders I think that makes it easier. And I think that can can foster confidence and can foster development. You guys want to hear more from Thad Levine with Chris Mad Dog Russo? Thad Dog? Thad Dog and Mad Dog? Yes. Let's Please. see. It. All right. I, I mean, we've got to be extremely happy with how, this, how the team's played so far. Certainly the team in 17 took some steps forward. 18, we took a few steps back. We thought we had a young core going into the offseason of 18 that we thought could really galvanize and, and really buoy this team. We surrounded it with some veterans, and we also brought in a new manager, and I think it's really clicking on a lot of cylinders right now, but certainly one of the better outcomes we could have expected through 41 games here. You know, Chris, I, I think our primary goal is to win our division, so we got to win games in the division, but I think we, too, look at it, our performance against Philadelphia and the Mets on the road, the performance against Cleveland early in the season, at, in Yankee Stadium, getting a win, which is something this franchise hasn't done in the past too much, playing very competitively against Houston. I think that's really encouraging. I think we're currently 9-9 nine and nine against teams above 500. I think that's a really good harbinger of things to come here. All right, so you're performing about as well as you could have hoped after 40-plus games, and your goal is to win the division, and you've got your sights set on that. So, mm, you looking to add? You looking to maybe add some pieces here? Trade deadline? How's that novel you've been working on there? Uh, a little novel? <laughs> Jim Polat, our owner, has been extremely supportive of things that Derek Falvey and I have presented to him. We've already had some preliminary dialogue about expectations uh-huh. we have at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and he's completely supportive of augmenting this team. I think we're mm-hmm. very optimistic about the start <laughs> of this club. He's going to want to help us see this through to the season's end. How would uh, how would you uh, go about augmenting? augmenting the I team? love I love a good augmentation. A little preliminary dialogue. <laughs> Trade deadline acquisition, uh, augmentation, uh, conversation with the owner, the GM, and the president of baseball operations. <laughs> Back to the manager. Improving in July. But he's already had conversations with Jim Polad. Of course he has. About the trades they're going to make. They, of course he has. They've got to have a good. We've cut the brakes. Well, and they, they have to have a good idea here fairly quickly of directions. Starting pitching, bullpen. Now, here's the one thing, too. Did you see that the uh, that the uh, Polad Bashers took it in the shorts yesterday? I love it in a big, big way. I love it when the when the payroll whiners no, but like they get they got the undercut face. here badly yesterday. Addison Reed, Addison Reed was signed as a big time bullpen acquisition a year ago, and we all thought, man, this is a great signing. You know, bullpens are 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 where it's at right now. And listen. He was disappointing as far as pitching goes. I did not like him. I I think that among the clubhouse problems that that team had in 18, he was among them. I did not like his demeanor, so so to speak. I felt he was a, I felt like he fit in very well with the Lance Lynn, Lomo, well, I'm here crowd. And yesterday they said, we will eat $6 million. You're free to go. DFA'd him. And that to me, is a seismic shift. So for everyone who wants to say, ah, oh, the pole edge, you're always, they're always so cheap. This was, this was Falvey and Levine doing exactly what they said that they would do, which is if we feel that we made, and again, it's a lesson learned, right? Mm-hmm. If we feel that we made a mistake, which clearly they did, and that's fine. The, the bad thing is compounding that mistake, but they didn't. You're done. I'd love and it. I, and I think maybe even the more important lesson here is for, for everyone who bangs on the desk and says, Go spend money on blank reliever, and and two years ago it was it was a group of like Jake McGee was out there, and Cody Allen was out there, and Addison Reed, and go look at Addison Reed's numbers before the Twins signed him. Like on paper, yeah. just looking at the back of the baseball card numbers, you would have said great signing. I thought it was a great signing without knowing the inner workings, but that's not the solution. If if you're a broken franchise and you've been losing 90 games on a regular basis for almost a decade, which is where the Twins were at, I know that they had a wild card pop up season, but they weren't there yet. 
And I think it's like so many people think that, well, you just you got to go throw money at Addison Reed. You got to go throw money at you, Darvish, throw money here and there. And the real solutions we're finding out are no, take a really talented 25 year old player and make him better. Mitch Garver, take a really talented Martin five tool player. Yeah, go, go, go for upside, whatever that may look like. And right. there's a lot of like free agents who are 30 years old generally don't have a lot of upside left. And that's why a lot of these guys are still on the market. That's why Craig Kimberl and Dallas Keuchel are still on the market, quite frankly. And especially the last couple of free agent seasons where, where the, the big dogs, for whatever reason, have sat out with some pretty big prizes on the market. And what that does, even though the Twins aren't in the market for the Bryce Harpers and Manny Machados and Jake Arrieta's of the world, although they were in the hunt for you, Darvish, from, from what I understand, but that drops the price down for everybody down, down, the, down the ladder. So when, when the top guys haven't signed, the other guys, they sort of start to panic, and I think it sets a market where the Twins can get in and get some cheap power. I mean, you look at their offseason and their acquisitions that they made, and that was pretty much the theme of the Twins' acquisitions this offseason. Cheap power. Let's add home runs and, and slugging percentage at, at a cut-rate price. And they've done that, and so far... It's worked, and they just mash. They just hit bombs. That's what the Twins do. Now it drives the center and deep. Smith going back at the wall. Mm. That ball's gone. Better sound. The crack of a bat. For Byron Buxton. Or the crack of a a cold beer opening. That. Well, it's not even close, but I still like the crack of a bat. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'm going with the crack of a bat. The crack of the bat, I think, is the best sound in sports. Oh, yeah. The, Absolutely. The, the swish of the basketball through the netting, the pure swish, is also very seductive. Yeah, I, this is another Buxton homer here from a couple nights ago. Oh, oh, oh Jesus. You can hear the barrel. You can just hear that. But boom. That's mm. insane. That's an insane noise. I feel like that, that should be followed by the twin song. I think I've talked about this before, and somebody sent me a YouTube link to it. I, the To me, the perfect meditation or sleeping soundtrack is just batting practice. And I think somebody sent me, a, when I said this the last time by the air, somebody sent me like a two-hour, like a YouTube link of just a two-hour loop of batting practice. White noise? White noise? It's white, you can hear practice. like the crack of the bat. You can hear the chatter of a, a sparse crowd. Yeah. You might hear a guy yelling peanuts in the background every once in a while. That's or beer great. here. It's awesome. I've tried like, so I, I like a little noise. A little. So I've tried soft music. And it's just. It doesn't do it for me. I've tried fan? ocean and rain noises, a fan. Yeah. We've got the I've fan. never really found the thing for me, but I think that's it. That's a great idea. I'm crawling in bed tonight with, with the gal and putting on the baseball noise. <laughs> now it drives to center and deep. Smith going back at the wall. That well, there is gone. no play by play. It's not Dick Bremer in your ear. Was. <laughs> I almost said something. Okay. You're trying to go to sleep and you hear this. I know what Jeb was about to <laughs> say. Jeb was about to, to yeah. rearrange that sentence without, yeah. without the brain running. I know. Yeah. I know. There's I was no, about to also. No, Richard. Great minds take alike. But imagine. imagine <laughs> I you, caught myself really quickly, though. That was good. I'm really improving at this job. Imagine you're trying to go to sleep and you put the headphones in and then and then you hear that. You, <laughs> you're trying to go to sleep and you hear Dick Bremer. A high fly left center field. Nice ball, partner. <laughs> and two run home. His second of the year, and it's four to one. Amazing. I think that's a good point, though. I love that thought. Amazing. Just batting practice. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a really good it's idea. A, it's great. Uh, Rami, Eric Name is coming up. Yeah, he is the uh, the Bucks beat writer for the Athletic, and uh, one of the better young NBA writers in in the country right now. I don't mind saying that. So he's going to join us next. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, and uh, he can talk anything NBA. So we'll talk NBA playoffs. He probably has some thoughts on your Minnesota Timberwolves, maybe how they relate to the Milwaukee Bucks or or could be compared to the Milwaukee Bucks. He's going to join us right after this on Mackie and Judd with Rami. It's time for Golfer's Minute with Craig Tykin, presented by the Meadows at Mystic Lake. Experience perfection. And uh, so I, I actually told Craig on purpose, we don't need you today because Phil Mackie's going to handle the Golfer's Minute with a depressing reading from the Tiger Tracker Twitter account. <laughs> Tiger Woods is a disaster the last two days. I was wondering days. when Phil's Tiger meltdown would come. He got his Masters. Don't worry about it. It's He's, over. He, has, he can't hit a fairway. He was sick on Wednesday night and couldn't practice. 
and he's like a bazillion shots off the lead. Uh, it's just a it's just a disaster. So I was hoping to give you guys a lot of Tiger trash talk, but he has made it nearly impossible. That is your golfer's minute <laughs> on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Just a quick look at your traffic on 494. There is a crash between 94 and Tamarack Road, as well as a crash on I-494 eastbound between Cedar Avenue and 24th. Get back to build that wall. And Reggie, I'm so surprised at how much larger Anthony Cooper is still. The soul has a step. Did not go for it. And Cooper the finish. Get it into Brogdon. They're not going to foul, folks. This one's in the bank. And earning interest. The final. The Bucks 108. Raptors 100 in game one. ESPN, then the Bucks Radio Network on the call. This is Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North on 1500. And that Score North mobile app, that handy-dandy, nifty Score North mobile app, go get it. It's your one-stop shop for all of our podcasts, all our shows. You can subscribe and rate our shows there. And all our written content as well from scorenorth.com, including columns from guys like Judd Zolgad. And the reason we're playing Bucks highlights is because joining us now on Mackie and Judd with Rami. He covers the Bucks and the NBA for the Athletic and he joins us now. It is Eric Name. Eric, how are you this afternoon, man? I'm great. How are you? We're doing well. And uh, we got you on to talk about this Bucks team because I think people are starting to recognize what this Bucks team is. I think a lot of people don't value the NBA regular season and thought this was just Giannis running through an NBA regular season. But the depth of this Bucks team would be exposed when they got to the playoffs. And I think now that they're on the national stage, folks are starting to realize this ain't just Giannis, Eric, is it? I think the the funny thing about it is that Giannis is kind of the deciding factor in that. I remember I had a conversation with Al Horford in like February and I asked him, you know, like does obviously you were on that 60 win Hawks team. Like does this Bucks team remind you of that team, you know, the way that they played and he was like, yeah, you know, stylistically they they're pretty similar. We play pretty like, you know, similar style basketball, but you know, they have Giannis and we didn't we didn't have anyone like Giannis, and I think that's really kind of the big thing is that this playoff run is is the star turn for Giannis. This is where everyone finally understands that you know it isn't just this you know seven foot anomaly that somehow dunks basketballs. Like the dude's a really good basketball player. He he sees the floor really well. He can make plays defensively. He flies all over the place. Like he's just really good. And I think this has been the stage that everyone's kind of been waiting for. I think in Milwaukee, the team has been waiting for the playoffs because they heard all of that stuff. They knew that no one actually thought that they were for real. And now they're actually getting a chance to prove it on the biggest stage. Eric, the NBA has felt very clicky in the LeBron James era. LeBron James, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade. Uh, you've had the Warriors click and Durant going, but it, it feels like Giannis is maybe going to break that up. It, uh, Giannis doesn't strike me as a guy who's just automatically going to leave the Milwaukee market because that's what stars do. And that's the narrative. Do you sense that? Yeah, I think the nice thing with, with Giannis is that, you know, one, he is, he is very committed, but you know, like I, I broke a story earlier this year that for the first time ever, like he had exchanged text messages with Kevin Durant. Like, that was a story that, for the first time ever, they texted. Yeah. Young's been in the league for six years. He's played Kevin Durant I, I don't know how many times. Like, that, that was the story. Not that, oh, Durant said, hey, you should come play in Golden State, or, you know, you should come hang out with me in New York and, with Kyrie. Like, he, he didn't say any of that. Like, he just talked to Giannis for the first time. And <laughs> I remember talking to Giannis about it, and he was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, we did talk for the first time, but, like, you know, like I'm not. It's like I'm not trying to take pictures with the guy after the game. Like I'm not trying to talk to him. Like I'm not trying to be buddy buddy. Like I'm trying to beat that dude, and and that's what I want to do in the NBA. And I do think, like at least around the league, there does there is a little cheddar at least that you know if this Bucks team can have success, where you know they've been talking about, oh, is Chris Middleton good enough to be number two? Can Eric Bledsoe hold up in the playoffs? What about Brook Lopez? All this stuff. Like if you can build a team around. One man, and it is built around Giannis. And I'm not here to slight Bledsoe or Middleton or Lopez. They've all been fantastic this year. But it is built around Giannis. This team is built around him. 
I do think there's at least some hope around the league that everyone sees it and says, hey, let's go get our one guy and then do everything we can to build a team logically around that guy. And that's how we can win. And if that's the case, you know, maybe other players see that and say, you know what, I want my own team. I, I don't want to go hang out with, with my buddy. I want to go have my own team where you build a team around me that makes sense and plays to my strengths and covers up my weaknesses. So uh, I do think there is some hope around the league that this is kind of what we're seeing with Giannis. What's it like to be in a small Midwestern town with an NBA team and it's really successful and the fans are, are excited and, and they make a deep playoff run? Share that with, with me as a guy who has basically uh, spent the Timberwolves' entire existence watching this team in a small Midwestern town that has one run. But, Eric, what's that been like just for that town to have this amount of success and for the Bucks to be, I'm sure, this big of a deal? I mean, we're talking right now, right? <laughs> no, but, 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 share, but share the experience, because I, I am hard-pressed now to imagine the feeling. No, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, this is the thing. Like, I'm talking to someone in Minneapolis to talk about what is going on. Right. Like, that's where we're at in this experience is that people want to know. People want to see it. and I want to feel it. it. it you want to feel it. <laughs> Here, like, yes. Like, like, so the crazy thing is, is just, you know, I, I've, I've lived in Wisconsin for a good majority of my life, went away for school and for other jobs and stuff, and then came back to cover the Bucks And... You know, like, I remember when I was in high school, you'd get a, a $10 ticket to go sit in the lower level in the Bradley Center. Like, that wasn't a problem. You, you could do that easy. They were terrible. It was totally fine. And now, for me, when I walk into the arena, I walk through, you know, a, a, a downtown district, uh, you know, six square blocks in every direction of just people. Like, I'm walking through people that want to cheer for the Milwaukee Bucks in a state that has been dominated by the Green Bay Packers. And even the Brewers were ahead of the Bucks, mm-hmm. And the Brewers were as futile, if not more futile, <laughs> than, than the Bucks. Like, that's kind of what we're seeing right now. And, and it's just crazy. Like, people, you know, actually want to ask me questions about the Bucks. They actually care about what I'm writing. They want to know more about Giannis. They want to be a part of this entire ex- experience. Like, it is... It is a real thing in Milwaukee that people are excited about the Bucks and want to be a part of it. And uh, for me, it was it was kind of crazy. Obviously, I was in the arena last night, but uh, or excuse me, up for game one. But just seeing some of the aerial pictures of that entire district just being filled with thousands of people outside of the arena. Obviously, you have eighteen inside, but then thousands of people outside. Like that is not normal for for the Milwaukee Bucks. That's that's not normal, really, for even, like, the Milwaukee Brewers. Like, that, that is not – I mean, it's, that's Packers stuff. That is Packers stuff. And that is to the level of which, you know, people are excited about the Bucks at this moment. Yeah, and on, on, on a personal note, Eric, you, you know this. I, I worked a long time in Milwaukee, and I'm very happy here in the Twin Cities, but I still have warm and fuzzy feelings for the city of Milwaukee, and I adopted the Bucks until my Bulls are ever relevant again. And uh, watching Game 1 and the post-game show with Ernie, Charles, Kenny, and Shaq out there in front of Pfizer Forum and with the, the whole Deer District full of Deers fans chanting Milwaukee, I, I, I personally had some chills. And again, those warm and fuzzy feelings. But back to what Judd was talking about, how do we make this happen in Minnesota, Eric? Because I like what you were saying about one superstar and building around it. And don't take this the wrong way, Eric, or anybody within the sound of my voice right now. But I do see some similarities between the Wolves and the Bucks in the sense that you had an owner who was sort of stuck in the past who... He sold the team. Here you have an owner who was stuck in the past who seems to finally be handing over control of the team. But it's the control of the team is going over to forward-thinking people. You have a centerpiece like you were talking about with Giannis here with Carl Anthony Towns. Do you think it's possible? I know there are a lot more steps and moves that have to go between now and then. Do you think it's possible for the Wolves to follow in the footsteps of the Bucks now that they have Garrison Rosas running this organization? I mean, I think with Roses, you're going to see someone who obviously is analytically minded. That that goes without without I mean saying. But when you think about again how they built this team around Giannis, like 
they tried for a while to figure out, okay, who is the perfect center to have around Giannis? And, you know, I thought for a long time it was Thon, it was Thon Maker. Like, okay, he's a guy that shoots a little bit and he can switch on defense and, okay, that's the perfect center. And then they signed Brooke Lopez. And it's like, oh, that's the perfect center to have around Giannis because he's big and he's bulky and he can shoot threes and he can help protect the rim and he can free up Giannis to do all this other stuff. Like, that's what this is all about. If you don't sign Brooke Lopez in in the middle of July, all of a sudden you have Thon Maker in that spot. Are the Bucs as good? No. Does Thon Maker go for 29 in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals? I would say no. I don't think that's logical. So it really is about, you know, step-by-step step, just building up smart moves. And, I mean, in the same way in Milwaukee, you had Herb Cole who was meddling and trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to get the eighth seed? And instead now you have, uh, you know, John Horse actually kind of having control. And, again, the, the owners do meddle. And, and there's been, there have been plenty of stories of that in Milwaukee where, you know, you've had some of that uh, palace intrigue still. But, John Horse has been, you know, empowered to make moves and go out and build the team that makes sense around Giannis. And, and that's really what all this is about is logical moves in the front office. And then you just build from there. And, and that's how you build a team. It's got to be piling up and stockpiling good, smart moves, not, you know, being brash, not trying to make it all happen in one year, like slowly building to something where here, you know, you can bring in a new coach that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, with Giannis that has a clear and concise plan, and then you have a roster that makes sense around him, and then you have an MVP season from Giannis Stenokumbo. Eric, name from The Athletic here, just another minute or two, Mackie and Jeb with Rami. So just taking that even a step further, as because a lot of our listeners are looking over and wondering, okay, how, like, how can the Wolves duplicate this in some of the ways that you're talking about? Is Carl Anthony Towns a talented enough centerpiece in your mind to be the one that you would build a franchise around for the next five years? I think so. I uh, and again, Rose Huss is going to love him, but I adore Towns' efficiency. Uh, and obviously, there, there's going to be questions about you know does, does he have the killer instinct? And obviously, Jimmy Butler would say no. Um, but uh, I would say that you know you, if you empower him and let him do that, you find some other things that make sense around him. Okay, so he's not you know a, a big that really wants to be down on the block. So okay, find a big that that makes sense with him. Okay, maybe he's not the best playmaker. Find a point guard that makes sense with it. Like, you have to try to figure out exactly what his strengths are, exactly what his weaknesses are. And, I mean, looking at Towns, I mean, the the potential that he has to me is is really it, – it was a conversation, Cap or Giannis. Like, that was a real conversation. And, obviously, I think there are some things that Giannis can do, like especially handling the ball that puts him up above Carl Anthony Towns. But – there's no reason to think that you can't put Carl Anthony Towns in a better situation and you, you can't find a better group of players to play around him. Like, I, I do think that he does have that type of talent. It's just a matter of, you know, really accentuating the strengths and trying to find ways to limit the weaknesses. That's Eric Name. He uh, covers the Bucks for The Athletic, but he really covers the the whole NBA and one of, one of the best in the business. Find, find him on Twitter as well, at Eric Name. Eric, real pleasure, man. Thanks for a few minutes of your time. Yeah, it's kind of wild, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thanks, Eric. Eric Name. <laughs> yeah. And the reason that he said that it's kind of wild, um, that dude started as one of our interns on my oh, show really? in Milwaukee. And now is, I, and I don't, I don't just say this because I know him. He is one of the best NBA beat writers yeah. in the whole country. If you have, and, and he writes articles mostly about the Bucks, but he does some other stuff outside the Bucks about the NBA and one of the best in the country. It's cool to see that. I hope and think that he will be... He will be to Giannis what Brian Windhorst was to LeBron James. I hope. I hope. Just, just kind of follows him for the next right. six or eight years just and winds those, up everywhere. Just ride those coattails, Eric. Yeah. Just ride those coattails to fame and glory. Yeah. There's a, lot of mo- there's a lot of money in it. He's Giannis already, books. He has a book already about the Bucks. if you have any interest in, in Bucks history. he yeah. wrote. A, it would be so fun to see Giannis stay with the Bucks, and like, it would be fun to watch the Bucks be the, the tentpole in the Eastern Conference and see what the Wolves can do in the post-Warriors era. I mean, there's a legitimate chance that you could see some Wolves bucks if the Wolves have this thing right with Gerson Rosas. You know, if Carl Anthony Towns is the guy for the next five to ten years to see Minnesota, Wisconsin going toe to toe at some point in an NBA Finals in like three years would be so much fun. But the Wolves, you got a lot of work to do. Yes, that's why <laughs> the, I the said Bucks are much further along. That the comparisons that I see, we're still very early on in yep. in that a lot still needs to happen for them to to follow that path. But I do see some similarities and some comparisons to be made between 
the Bucks maybe three or four years ago and where the Wolves are today. So if if all of the players but Giannis bail basically, are the Bucks still good? Like can can you do this? I he, have he brings up a very interesting point about the one guy thing, which I don't think has been something that I've seen since I started to follow this league. It used to be two, then it was three. But could you do that with just one guy? Middleton's more than just a complimentary player. I agree. But honestly, like you can find there's there are so many Eric Bledsoe's in this league. There are there are a lot of Eric Bledsoe's in this league. And I you know, not to take away, but like he's not an extraordinarily great three point shooter. He's a good three point shooter who shoots volume. So if you if you can find your white knight, which the Wolves have to hope that it's Carl Anthony Towns, and find a really good, but again, like Middleton's not Clay Thompson good or but you have to find a Middleton the same way they found Middleton, which was as a throw-in on a trade. Middleton wasn't even the main piece in the trade that they made when they sent and uh, who was it? Brandon Jennings to the to the Pistons. I for, I forget who even was the main player that they got in that deal, but uh, it was Ma- Greg Monroe. That's right. When they made the Greg Monroe trade, Chris Middleton was a throw-in on the Greg Monroe trade. And I yeah. remember talking to their GM at the time, John Hammond, who said, "We think we got a lot more than a throw-in in Chris Middleton," and he he turned out to be right. But that's I, I think that there is a blueprint to at least loosely be followed when you look at. Where the where the Bucks came from and where the Wolves are right now. Yeah, so that was awesome, Eric. Name and and it'd be fun to as they. I, I honestly, I think. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you what I think about the Bucks and write that down. Are when you we come now? Back. How about that? I'm going to tell you just how many times we plan to be talking to Eric Name in the next few weeks. Okay. Yeah. All right. Write that down, predictions. Write that down. We'll never talk to him again. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> write that down, predictions. Sure to go wrong and an accountability session. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Federated Mutual Insurance Company, let's talk about what they can do for business owners out there. And uh, I know it's probably not widely known, I guess, but I've been a business owner myself in the poker industry long ago. And so I, I do know what goes into it, the daily grind and solving problems and taking care of employees and people around you. You, you love it, uh, but there's also just a lot of anxiety sometimes. So it helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. So when you partner with Federated Insurance, you get more than just a policy. You get more than just insurance. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Find out what Federated Insurance can do, not only from a policy standpoint, but helping grow your business. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Write that down coming up.